Married with Children, the podcast. Hosted by Dustin and Callie. Follow us on social media. On Twitter, at Married underscore show. Facebook, Married with Children show. On Instagram, Married with Children show. Or reach out to us in an email, marriedwithchildrenshow at gmail.com. We're always looking for guests and sponsors. If you have a name of a guest that would be an interesting interview on the Married with Children show, please send that information to us through social media or straight to our email address, Also, if you have a small business that you'd be interested in being a sponsor on the show, please reach out to us through an email so that we can work out a way that best suits you and our listeners. Also, if you like the podcast, be willing to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Welcome back to Married with Children, the podcast. Um, exciting episode tonight. Callie and I are joined uh, by phone um, from one of Callie's former uh, college friends and classmates. Uh, and he's got kind of an interesting uh, hobby, I guess you should say. <laughs> yeah. Um, Caleb and I went to Franklin College together. Um, both were math education majors and stuff. And so he had like every single class with me. So my husband would probably want to apologize that you had to hang out with me, um, all the time during those four years <laughs> i wouldn't want to apologize i wish i had known him and he could have forewarned me <laughs> yeah. it, was, yeah, it was a rough life <laughs> it was rough now before we get into starting i do want to bring up just because it's kind of a funny story caleb um caleb was the speaker at our and i don't dustin i don't even know if you know the story but caleb was the speaker at our graduation you know where i'm going with this right I do, I do. Um, and so he was the one that was, you know, like the, I mean, I don't know how, if we, I mean, you were obviously the person that spoke at our graduation for Franklin College. And um, obviously, like I said, he hung out with me quite a bit during classes and outside of classes, I guess, um, and everything. And uh, do you remember what you said in your speech I about do. me? <laughs> do you want to tell everybody? Why don't you tell them what, what all, what sure. you said? <laughs> I should, I should preface this by saying that Callie and I were very good friends, but yeah. we had sort of a uh, ongoing teasing relationship. So we try to down pretty much every step of the way um, in increasingly hilarious ways. Uh, so I, I think I held the Trump card college experience uh, so I gave my you know normal uh, inspirational sounding speech about how we're all going to be uh, amazing futures ahead of us and that sort of thing and I said you know the, the grades are in uh, the credits are earned the, the you know the uh, the ceremony is has started uh, not even Cali Covert could screw it up at this point. <laughs> That's what he said. And I just, everybody, everybody totally just looked at me and I just am like, oh my gosh, is that real? <laughs> I can't, I like, cause I had no idea it was coming. You never told me or no one told me anything about that. And, you know, here we're sitting and like my parents are in the stands and my grandparents. It was just so funny because I'm like, oh my gosh, you really just said that. <laughs> I can say that most of my friends in college have never been invited to speak at graduation first and foremost. <laughs> and had they said it, anything it would have probably been worse than that uh yeah i'd be afraid no but it it was pretty funny so i i will have to it was definitely one i I don't honestly i don't remember a whole lot else i do remember like the inspirational part but i mean like obviously i do remember that part of your speech so it was yeah i think that's the that's the that that was the uh, mic drop moment before (laughs) mic drops were a thing were a thing you're right Uh, yeah But but it was a compliment of the highest order so yeah and luckily you didn't screw it up 
Yeah, you made I, it through. I yeah, did. Right. I, I really <laughs> did not screw it up at that point. So, um, no, but Caleb, uh, I, I guess I should say, um, in addition to, you know, uh, do it, being a math major and that kind of thing and, and stuff in college, he was really uh, very popular, especially... Um, you know, like in the cafeteria and just kind of anywhere in general, I guess, that you were kind of walking around. Um, Caleb was always known to have a deck of cards in his hand. Um, and he was always walking around and doing card tricks, magic tricks and things. And so um, that's kind of, um, Caleb, I'll kind of let you talk a little bit. That's kind of where at least um, one of the things that I kind of learned about you, obviously, in those um, four years and everything. And so... Um, kind of we'll kind of back backtrack i guess when kind of did you get interested in magic um did you always do card tricks are you still doing card tricks um i don't know if you've kind of branched out that's kind of what i always knew um i guess sure. you to do so um kind of is that still kind of where you're focusing on have you branched have you done some other things and kind of where did that all start from and when i guess yeah, so my interest in magic started, I think I liked it as a kid. I had, you know, seen a couple of magicians or seen things on TV, but I just liked it. I never thought about actually learning magic. Uh, and then I was, when I was in high school, uh, I was up late watching some infomercial uh, one night, and there was a guy who had a, a VHS tape set that he was selling for, uh, you know, 100 or $200, uh, which I couldn't afford. But the tricks that he would tease you like, hey, you know, you can learn this trick if you just buy this uh, this, this cassette tape. I thought, I got to learn this trick, but there's got to be another way. So uh, I had my mom take me to the library back when you'd go to the library, uh, not only for books, but you'd get your 20 minute or 30 minute like internet sessions. So yeah. yeah was... For our younger <laughs> listeners, because I know you're our age and, yep. and we've got a lot of kids that, that we've worked with in school that listen to us. They've got to understand Google on your phone wasn't a thing back then. Right. You no, had, no, no. You went to the public library and signed up to use a dial up internet at a computer. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I just started looking up magic videos online. I think there was a point because the you know the infancy of especially video online, there was definitely a point where I, I had you know literally watched every magic video that was available <laughs> on the internet just because there weren't that many of them, uh, which is now pretty fun to say. But uh, anyway, so you know they had a, a section of the library that had magic books, and then I read every one, and then uh, it just sort of grew from there. And then by the time I got to college, that was sort of my uh, go-to. Uh, in any kind of social situation, especially you know, in college, there's a lot of you know, you know, meeting people for the first time or, you know, how do you break the ice? And magic was always sort of uh, the way I would do that and then, you know, make friends uh, through that. So uh, like Kylie says, I used a lot of card magic, mostly just because cards were uh, ubiquitous. You could always borrow a deck of cards from somebody if you were at their house or uh, it's easy to carry in your pocket and cheap. Um, so, yeah, I've always uh, liked card magic the best. Um, I still do magic, uh, sort of semi-professionally. Um, I think about it all the time, almost every, <laughs> that every doesn't second surprise of the day, me somewhere in my head. I'm saying that doesn't surprise <laughs> me because I even think in college that was, it was almost like that for you. <laughs> yeah. It was, there's almost nothing that I don't filter through the lens of magic. Uh, but yeah, I, so it, it, to answer your question about whether I do more than cards. Uh, yeah. My, my shows, if you come see me perform, uh, like if you see me on a stage or I, I do, I think one card trick during the act. Uh, and everything else is, uh, you know, using other objects or mind reading or really? uh, doing math feats or something like that. Okay. Yep. So when did you uh, start, yeah. when did you kind of start doing that? 
that part. Were you doing that in college? I just, like I said, I know that you did a lot of the card tricks, uh, and you may have yeah. done more. I don't. I just. I mean, I obviously just remember cards always being in your hand. Right. So. Yeah, card tricks back in college was, I mean, definitely 95% of what I did, and especially what I would do informally. Um, I right. started doing some performances in college where, you know, uh, a corporate event or two uh, throughout the year where I would do a Christmas party or something. And, then, you know, for a big room, cards aren't uh, the most practical thing just because of their visibility. So I would start to learn other tricks. And then uh, as the years have gone on, I've just branched out, you know, experimenting in all different types of magic. So the repertoire has grown uh, <laughs> commensurately. Right. And do you have, Caleb, when you were growing up and, and, you know, you said you saw some magicians, did you have some that just really stood out to you? Uh, there was one early uh, magic experience in my life that I remember. My mom had gone to Toys R Us. Uh, I don't even think it was my birthday, but she bought me a birthday party magician, uh, again, VHS tape, which, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's pretty common, I guess, for kids to have, like, a magician at their birthday party. Uh, and this this product, uh, I guess what it was offering was you would, instead of hiring a magician, you would buy this VHS tape and sit the kids in front of them. Oh, that's them. great. Um, so it, it's, so, it's sort of cheesy, but also I have very fond memories of it. And it had an excellent idea that I, I think really stuck with me. It came with a little trick, a little pocket trick that was like one of those, you know, little plastic, you know, magic set boxes. Uh, and before your friends would come over to the party, the, the birthday kid was supposed to learn this trick. And basically the trick was the magician on TV at the end of his show would say, ah, oh, now we're going to have the birthday boy do a trick. Uh, and he, he had one of the boxes on the TV screen, and he put a little card in the box. He opened the drawer. He put a card that said happy birthday in it, and he closed his box. And when he snapped his fingers and opened the box, the card was gone. And then you had shown yours empty uh, you know, before, and now all of a sudden it's sort of like – traveled through the television screen into your <laughs> uh into your box i thought man it's such a cool for, for i mean it's a normal trick you'd see in a, a magic kit uh but just a cool presentation for it and that always kind of stuck in my head of uh you know a, a nice way to present that style effect i just think we've missed i mean i think there's a whole opportunity here for birthday party entertainment on video now I mean, yeah we can, yeah. <laughs> we can do clowns i mean you can, yeah, right. i mean Heck, why not record just, bands doing a set yeah you I can mean, just play it i mean i guess we could really just with youtube and stuff now we could just pull up youtube and have a i mean find a, a decent length one or whatever yeah, we and, bought a bouncy castle i have no idea why we did that yeah i just that's right yeah tv wow no that's really cool and, and i think it's really cool you know caleb the I think a lot of people probably would have thought you'd have went with like a cliche answer, and I don't even know if this is fair to say that's cliche, but a David Copperfield or some of those big name, sure. you know, acts. But I think it's really cool that a lot of, you know, your connection to it comes from those little elements that that built on it. So that's really cool. Yeah. Now I kind of have a a kind of off topic, I guess. I mean, still kind of, but. I've always been interested um, in this idea of the magic house that is a magic castle that's in L.A., not the magic castle at Walt Disney World. What I mean, do you have any connection to this? I mean, I know and I'll just be honest, I'm a big Howard Stern listener and Neil Patrick Harris used to come on all the time when he was the president of it and talk about it. And so I, I what is that? 
Yeah, so it's a members-only club um, where they – I've never actually been myself. I've never been out that, that way. I've been invited to perform, but they say that's one of those uh, – I've heard friends classify it as that's one of those gigs you have to save up for. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, travel to L.A. for, you know, a week and do uh, shows, which would be a cool thing. And if you were local, I think it would be, you know, uh, potentially profitable. But uh, from the Midwest to travel all the way out there, I sort of have to have another reason, I think, to make it out. Um, but anyways, it's a, it's a club. A lot of celebrities actually will go there, or you'll see it on um, uh, television shows. Sometimes there'll be an episode filmed at the Magic Castle. Uh, okay. All right. Uh, after a little bit of technical difficulties there, uh, Caleb, we were talking about, you know, the uh, the Magic Castle and you had talked a little bit about um, you had been invited out there um, and basically that it, you know, it's kind of a celebrity hangout. So we got interrupted in the middle of that story. If you want to pick that back up. Yeah, it's basically, uh, you know, just a private club uh, in L.A. and they have uh, uh, it's a members only, but you can also get guest passes if you know somebody or if you're out of town. Uh, and they have a restaurant and uh, a bar that you can go in to see magicians performing. And they really have, um, you know, a lot of really great magicians uh, who do perform there. They're sort of a cool thing. You know, one of the founders of sort of modern close-up magic uh, is a, a guy that used to be known as the Professor uh, Di Vernon. Uh, and when he was, uh, he unfortunately passed away now, but when he was alive, that was sort of like the mecca of magic uh, because so much of the, you know, the amazing ma magic improvements were coming um, from his mind. So there were people who literally moved out to L.A. just to be near the professor and to learn from him. So it's kind of cool to think about somebody having that much uh, of an impact on an art form. Uh, that was certainly the case for the professor. Wow. And then, I, like I said, I know that Neil Patrick Harris had been the president. How do you how do you get voted in as the president of it? Yeah, I'm not sure exactly the uh, the mechanics behind, you know, how the elections work and things like that. I would, I would imagine the members, uh, you know, have some sort of a voting process um, to bring people in. They also have uh, awards that they'll give out. I think it's the uh, um, Academy of Magical Arts, I think is what it's called, um, that he was the president of. So they also will award uh, magicians, you know, lecturer of the year, stage magician of the year, uh, things of that nature. And you said you are a member. You just have never been out there. No, I'm not, I'm not a member. Uh, okay. I've never sort of applied for membership or been out there. Uh, a lot of my buddies, Magic's sort of a small world, so uh, that's one of my favorite things about it is it's pretty easy to meet your heroes <laughs> in Magic. So lots yeah. of my friends have been out there, and uh, I always hear good things. One, one place I've been meaning to get out to uh, just opened up last year. Um, uh, a couple of buddies of mine also uh, started this. It's called uh, uh, the Chicago Magic Lounge uh, in Chicago, so it's sort of a Midwest version. Uh, and they built it from the ground up, so it's like theater specifically built for uh, the magic, and there's sort of Easter eggs in the building that you can find, uh, and they have some top-notch magicians. So now we're sort of have a Midwest version. Uh, oh, that's cool. And is that a members-only thing, too? Uh, I don't think that's a members-only. I think that's just something where you pay your admission. Um, uh, that's pretty cool. Again, I've been invited to perform. I like to get out there. I haven't made it out there yet. So when you talk about your, you know, you said you're semi-professional and I know that you're, um, you know, you're performing and things. Where, where are some places that you're performing right now? Yeah, so I typically have a few venues. Um, I do magic, you know, part-time. 
I toyed around a few years ago when I uh, got out of teaching with potentially doing it full time. I just don't think it's uh, the lifestyle for me. I actually went around and uh, met with a bunch of my friends around the country who were doing it full time and tried to sort of informally interview them and sort of see what their life was like. And uh, I think it's a cool life for certain people, but you know, I'm I'm sort of a homebody and like to you know be around the kids every night and uh, that sort of thing. So. Uh, I, I don't think I'd want to pursue it full time just because I, I worry that I, I would turn something that's a passion of mine uh, just into a job. So um, the, the types of shows that I take are only shows that I think I'm going to have a good time at. So uh, I'll do charity events, um, you know, oftentimes, you know, pro bono, just so I, I think it'll be a fun time and the cause I believe in. Uh, probably my primary market is the corporate market. So. Uh, you know, Christmas parties or um, sales meetings, customer appreciation uh, events, those sort of things um, are probably the main way where I actually perform. Um, and then I've been working on for the last couple of years a new theater show, so uh, I think I'm going to add theaters to my list here in the next year or so. Wow, that's cool. And let me ask you this. I know, like, you know, for a for a comedian that's that's up and coming, a stand-up comic, they can go to kind of open mic nights and they can, you know, kind of hone their craft there. Is there something for a theater show like that? I mean, do they have kind of open mic magic shows? <laughs> oh, but magic night? There are actually, uh, yeah, there are certain things around. Uh, like I know that my uh, buddy Ben Train and Jonah Babbins have something in Toronto called the Toronto, Toronto Magic Company. And they put on weekly magic shows where they have people sort of uh, come in and do new tricks they're working on. Or if you're a new magician, you're trying to get stage time. There's not the equivalent of something like that um, where I'm from, but there are is sort of a theater magic scene. So I wouldn't call it an opening night. Uh, Mike Knight is sort of a higher caliber than that. Um, but still, it's a, there, there are places around town where if you're just trying to get stage time, uh, you can certainly find it. And, and the truth is, you know, finding the gigs isn't actually that. If you're not trying to charge a lot of money uh, and you're in the beginning and you're just trying to improve, it's very, very easy to find places that will you know, let you perform. I think the, the key comes later when you want to charge a significant amount of money and right. you, know, you have to sort of prove your worth. And, and out of curiosity there, you know, when you start talking about a, a theater show or a stage show, what kind, of, what kind of money, I mean, obviously, like you said, card tricks, you can find a deck of cards anywhere, but when you start developing some of those bigger tricks, how much of a monetary investment is it in some of that stuff? So for my show, not much at all as far as uh, in the way of props. Um, there's, there's a trick I do where I had to buy like 300 Rubik's Cubes. Um, so that was an oh investment, but it's not, it's not as if I'm buying like, you know, those fancy stage illusions with smoke machines and things like that. Uh, most of my investment comes in just the form of creative, uh, you know, capital, I guess. I spend so much time just thinking through you know, this invisible, you know, potential magic show uh, that I want to put on. And to be honest, the the pursuit of that magic show is is actually more interesting to me than actually the magic show, uh, you know, performance. So, for example, if I could snap my fingers and have the show ready and start performing it tomorrow, uh, I don't know that I'd be so interested. I think the fun part is trying to create, you know, something original and something that's uh, unique to my persona uh, and building that you know, however long it takes me is sort of the, the fun and magic, uh, more on the creative side for me. When do you transition from learning other people's tricks to creating your own tricks? 
Um, mine was in college, so I don't know if Callie will remember, but I was uh, sort of trying to create some tricks of my own back in college, and I had one trick published uh, in a magic magazine, I think, uh, 2006, which would have been, I think, our junior year. Yeah. Um, so after that, I started sort of always refining this book, and I was writing the book not knowing how I would ever get it to people or how I would ever, you know, get any eyeballs on it. Um, but I just did it for myself, and I would constantly add new tricks and new ideas. Uh, and I worked on that book for a number of years. Uh, and then in 2009, I published the book, um, you know, got some notoriety among magicians and sort of got my name out there in the magic world. And that started me, you know, starting to lecture, at, you know, magic conventions. I would give talks and teach magicians tricks. Um, and that's just, you know, sort of continued over the years. And, again, I spend most of my time in magic thinking about, new tricks uh, as opposed to, you know, practicing for a show or uh, wor worrying about sending out, you know, uh, booking mailers or something like that, trying to, to gather business. To me, it's mostly about the, the creative side. And I, I will say that I do remember in college you – uh, number one, I do remember you always, you know, be like, hey, I'm, I'm working on this new trick. And, of course, it didn't matter if you were, like, had just started working on it. You always, like any of us that were watching, you always – fooled us i mean like we could never figure it out 99.9 percent .9 of the time um and i do sure. kind of remember you being like yeah i'm just working on my book i mean like you know yeah. <laughs> writing down like you know your 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 thoughts or your uh tricks and that kind of stuff so that i do remember that but i do always remember being the guinea pig and i will tell you that yep. <laughs> i do still have um a couple of the cards that you know you always have me write like my name on and you do all of the oh, sure. you know where the ink would jump to from one card to another or whatever it would do and i still have some of those yeah. that i would that i kept cool. so uh just so you know that so that was like yeah, obviously cool. like uh, at least 11 years ago because i've been teaching for 11 years so i know it's been longer than that that, that that's, yeah. that's still sitting in my room so um, that's really cool yeah, yeah that, that whole process of writing the book and also now what i'm doing with the stage show um I, you know, to me, it's just it's just the pursuit of the idea. I think that's important. And, you know, for the book, the way it worked out is I had that trick published in the Magic Magazine. I had this book I was working on, not knowing anything about how it would be published. Um, and then eventually that one trick I, I you know, put in the Magic Magazine started sort of making its the rounds around magicians. Um, and that got me some attention. So um, there's a, a magician by the name of Joshua Jay, another guy by Andy Gladwin, named Andy Gladwin, who were uh, starting a new Magic else you're working on that can do with you know this really cool trick uh and you know opportunity meets preparation and uh they launched their magic company you know based on you know two tricks that i had uh created before they ever even you know approached me so again it's a, I, I feel like if you if you just love the art and, and do what you love uh the opportunities will find you yeah no i think that's awesome um so I, I guess I need to ask, is there any, I know, I guess you're mainly working on your like stage um, show or, or something like that. Are there any special tricks that you're currently working on trying to figure out? Um, I mean, I guess you're probably always in that kind of mentality. Yeah. Um, the, the two, there's two tricks that I've been working on for a solid two years that are sort of <laughs> at this point now where they're performable, but they're not, uh, you know, they're not, they're not where I want them to be. I feel like if I can get them to, to where I want them to be, they'll be sort of the highlights, you know, of my, my show and then also, you know, contribute something to the magic literature. 
Um, so I guess the, the easiest one to talk about is a trick um, based on the magic square, which as a math teacher you're probably familiar with it, even if you don't know it by that name. Um, you know, the original trick is, you know, I have a, a four by four grid, if you can think about that, so sort of 16 cells, I guess we'll call them. And then somebody thinks of a number or names a number, and I start rapidly filling in those, uh, you know, those grid cells. Uh, and then it turns out that every row adds up to their number, every column adds up to their number, and then it sort of picks up steam and, uh, you know, even the diagonals add to the number and the four corners and the four center squares and there's, you know, dozens of combinations that all add up to their number. And it seems like sort of this uh, amazing mental feat uh, because I was able to create it in real time. Um, but, right. you know, even if you just stumbled upon it in a magazine, it's sort of a cool object of, you know, <laughs> just the, the mathematical beauty behind the whole thing. Right, uh, right. So that's the, sort of the original, ver the original version of the trick. And for two years, I've been working with a, a, a mathematician, actually, who uh, studies magic, but he doesn't perform magic. He's a retired professor from Purdue, and he wrote a math book on this magic uh, square concept. So he's, he's studied more about the magic square, the mathematics behind it, than you know, probably anybody else ever has in the world. And we've been collaborating on sort of the ultimate version of uh, you know, what this magic square should be. So it's the thing that we've added that sort of takes it to the next level is gotcha. uh, in the course of the trick, two, two numbers are named. And what the cool thing is after you make, you know, you do the original trick and you show all the combinations, when you turn over that magic square, um, just by the way I've written the numbers, like a, a six, if you turn that upside down, becomes a one, uh, nine, you know, a one upside down is still a one. So certain numbers are sort of reversible. Um, so in, basically in the context of the trick, we, we get a second number named, and when you reverse that magic square and turn it upside down, it sort of morphs in front of the audience's eyes, you know, a 16 becomes a 91 and so forth. And now we have a new magic square with, without writing anything else down, uh, and the math still all works out in all the different combinations. Uh, <laughs> that's so that's it's, awesome. <laughs> it's a complicated trick. <laughs> but it's, uh, and and sort of cool. again, that's what, I mean, that's why you've been working on it for a couple of years, I guess. <laughs> and, I, and I would follow yeah. up with uh, yeah. Caleb. I know that, you know, obviously that's a very complicated trick. What What is the time usually from kind of thought process to working it out to being performable? How long does it take to get a trick put together? It certainly depends on the trick. I've had some tricks where I've literally been laying in bed and, you know, a light bulb will just go off, you know, and something I wasn't even thinking about. Like, oh, wow, that's almost like a, a full routine in itself. And, then, you know, you may, uh, you know, polish it up a bit, but, you know, sometimes they just come fully formed into existence. Um, but, you know, for this trick, it's, <laughs> it's been a constant battle. And because, it, it, I, you know, I recognize that it's a very complicated trick from the audience's perspective, a lot of it, you know, sort of relies on my teaching background of, you know, how can I communicate these, you know, fairly complicated ideas to an audience um, and engage them, uh, you know, both efficiently from a time perspective and also um, from a cognitive perspective to make sure they can follow along with everything. So right. lots of times the ideas here are just like, okay, do I have everybody take their calculators out before the trick starts? Or do I wait until this moment later? Oh, that's about, about 10 seconds of dead time. Let's get the calculators out then to cover the dead time and just right. trying to piece together every single detail um, where a lot of the work comes from. You know, and I think what you just said is a really cool thing, That and, and I know you're still kind of in the education world with – what you do in your career but there may be something there too for you talking about making books and stuff as a high school principal some of those classroom management and things that that you're talking about could be a really cool 
you know, classroom kind of teaching structure built out of what you do with a magic trick. Oh, yeah, it's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, just just with knowing that dead time and, and, and that kind of stuff, keeping that in mind, because obviously, you know, with middle school and high schoolers that, you know, you were teaching, if you have like, you know, two or three minutes of dead time, you know, it's boring or something, you know, whatever. And I mean, you can kind of transition that into the magic world to where it's like you don't want those even two or three minutes. You want to kind of keep things rolling. Well, you so. want to keep people engaged. Yeah, you I want mean, to keep them so, engaged. You're so right. the same yeah. thing we fight every day in the in the classroom is keeping people engaged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I've got a question: is any is there any trick I guess that you have uh, done when you were performing for you know an audience that hasn't worked out the way that it should have? Have, I mean, have you had a trick go Definitely. wrong? What, what kind of how do you yeah, had, how do you bounce back from that? Like, what do you? I mean, I'm. Sh- I mean, like, I guess I should ask too. Is it been a trick that like the audience notices that it doesn't work out, or is it one that it didn't? I mean, like you just know, you know what I mean. Like it's one that you know didn't work out the way you wanted it to, but it's still from the audience perspective, I wouldn't notice. Sure. Yeah. There's been uh, examples of both. So I think. Certain things, especially if it's a card trick, uh, I, I have so many card magic, you know, tricks in my head and moves in my head and, uh, you know, I, I, ideas that I can usually sort of work my way out. So if I find the wrong card, I have other ways of, you know, oh, wow, yeah, that couldn't be your card. Your card was uh, in my pocket. You know, now the card appears in my pocket. <laughs> I can see, like I the can first see part, that. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, that was theatrical. He just meant to mess up. Um, the, the other side of that same coin, though, is magicians – you know, sometimes we build in the, uh, we call it like the magician in trouble plot. So a lot of times, you know, part of the trick is that you find the wrong card and they think, oh, the trick went wrong and then something magical happens to sort of correct the situation. But I have been in that situation, especially with friends, uh, where a trick has just gone horribly wrong and I'm, you know, totally, <laughs> totally uh, hosed, uh, but they still think I'm doing it. So, you know, <laughs> not in a professional situation, but for friends, I say, ah, no, it didn't work. And they're like, all right, well, what happens next? I'm like, it didn't work. And it's just this awkward. <laughs> they're waiting for that, for you to pull out the next part. But wait. <laughs> right, that's right. Awesome. Uh, now, is the, is it, um, is the tough yeah. Is the toughest thing to perform in front of other magicians and with their critical eyes, you know, that they may know some of the things that you're doing? Not for me. That's my, uh, you know, what some magicians are my sort of my favorite audience because they know, you know, a lot of, you know, material already. So they, they sort of have a background in magic. Uh, and then my second, you know, sort of related to that, you know, you don't have to be a magician to fall into that sort of category of my, my, prime audience member. I, I like the engineers uh, and the teachers and the people who are, you know, analytical because to me, I mean, the fun of the magic is, you know, I, I want you to play along. You know, if I told you, tell you to hold out your hand, I want you to hold out your hand. And, you, know, you need to follow the instructions for the flow of the trick. But as far as, you know, trying to figure out the trick, some, you know, I've heard some magicians say, oh, don't, don't try to figure it out. Just enjoy the magic. And, you know, to me, it's like, well, that's, that is the fun of the, of right. the magic is like, I'm bringing my full faculties to this, you know, problem. Can you fool me? And then if you do that, that's the fun part. Like, if I just pretend I don't see the wire, uh, you know, it's it's not fun. Um, right. so, so, yeah, I, as far as magicians go, you know, they come pre-loaded um, with these ideas. In certain ways, I can exploit those ideas. So there's certain tricks I have in my, my repertoire that fool magicians worse than they would fool um, 
you know, laymen who don't, don't know magic tricks because, you know, magicians, when they see certain things happen, they assume that certain other things must be true. And sometimes yeah. <laughs> you can sort of turn that on its head and fool a magician uh, without fooling the rest of the audience. So. Yeah. Now, you, uh, you were on the Penn & Teller show, correct? Yep. And so... Uh, that's, go ahead. Uh, Go ahead. What? What? Go ahead and tell I, us I, about I, it. Uh, yeah. So uh, I that was a uh, another thing that came from a trick that I invented, you know, uh, in my dorm room, and I worked on it for like six or eight months. So Kelly probably saw earlier versions of it. Um, and there was there's a trick where I, I have half a deck. Uh, I get to the to the audience member, and they shuffle it, and then I shuffle the other half of the deck. And then when we look through the cards, like my top card is the same as their top card. They, you know, I have a red three, they have a red three. My, you know, the seventh card down matches two, and basically all the, the order between the two packets completely matches. Uh, and that was a, in college in particular, I saw that posted somewhere. Wouldn't that be a cool trick? And I spent, you know, months trying to figure out a way to do it. So I, I published the trick eventually, uh, and it sort of made its way around the magician world. Um, and then there was a magician in Israel who performed it on television, um, and then I had another magician ask permission to perform it on Penn and Teller, and I thought, oh wow, you know, <laughs> my answer would be yes, but maybe I should. Yeah. It. No, I should try to be on the show. Um, so that's what I did. So I submitted that trick. Um, the producers liked what they saw. They said, well, actually, you know, we like some of these other tricks that you, you have out. Um, you know, maybe a little bit more. So I ended up not doing the trick that um, you know started the the audition. Um, I did a different trick, and again, it was sort of the the creative pursuit, you know, once they told me which trick they wanted me to do, uh, I thought, well, the way, the way it's currently formed, there's no way it's going to fool Penn and Teller. Um, so I thought, okay, well, let's get the brain trust together. And I called all my friends and I had hours and hours and hours of sessions with friends trying to figure out little touches and little techniques that would make it more fooling to a magician. Um, and that's what we did. So that was what made it to the show. And, uh, it was a, you know, a totally positive experience from, literally every standpoint. Um, I had never been a part of something that big or that sort of fancy and a big Vegas stage and directors and dress rehearsals and celebrities really? and the whole thing. Uh, sort of a, a whirlwind uh, week, but it was well, you know, I know an that, opportunity for me and loved it. Yeah, well, I know that we watched it uh, whenever it actually came on. I remember watching uh, because I'm like, because I saw it, I think, on Facebook. Maybe you posted something or whatever, and I'm like, Oh my gosh. And so we ended up watching it um, that time. So I thought that was awesome that you're like yeah. on TV, you know, and that kind of thing. Um, so, I mean, like, yeah. was there a, I mean, a huge process to go through? Did you have to do like auditions for other people, I guess, to, to do your trick? Is that how you kind of worked your way up to actually get on to try and fool Penn and Teller? Uh, yeah, so the process was I just had to submit a video. Uh, and once the guy, you know, once, once I had the idea of, that I was going to submit, um, you know, I emailed some friends to figure out who, who the producer was so I could email him. Uh, and I sent him, you know, basically the, 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 I, I had released the trick earlier, as I mentioned. So I, I had an instructional DVD where I performed and explained the trick and I just sent in the performance for that, that DVD. So I didn't even have to, you know, film anything new. Right. And then that sort of got the ball rolling. Very cool. Um, well, and then, you also, I saw on Facebook, and, and so you've got a new video that you released here, um, Knockout Magic. Is that sound right? Is yeah. that right? 
And so, I mean, it's, yeah, I, I watched, I was saying, I watched kind of a YouTube clip of it um, here a while ago, um, kind of talking about, I mean, is that where you kind of show some of your tricks and do you explain how some of them work? What kind of is on that video? Yeah, so it's a two DVD disc set. Um, you can also get it as a downloadable video that you can download or stream from the Magic website. Um, and it's uh, 16 tricks. It's called uh, Main Event, The Knockout Magic of Caleb Wiles. And, uh, yeah, it's basically 16 of sort of my best tricks that I've come up with in card magic. Um, so I perform them uh, in a studio or sometimes out in, like, a hotel lobby or something for spectators, and then I, I teach everything you would need to know in order to do the trick, sort of step-by-step, step. Uh, you know, multi-camera angles and all that kind of thing, so you can see the sleight of hand when you need to. Uh, and I explained a little bit about, you know, the creative process of how I came up with the tricks, et cetera. So it's sort of the best of uh, my life's work so far in card magic. Um, so it's got a lot of great reviews from magicians. Um, I mentioned earlier it's sort of cool to meet your heroes in magic, so a lot of, you know, guys who I really respect have given me quotes and um, things like that. So... Uh, so far, it's been a success, and uh, yeah, looking forward to more magicians lowering the material. When you talk about some of those heroes, who who are some of those heroes that people might know of? So most of them aren't people that you would know of, uh, just because there's probably like five magicians that people know, like maybe David Copperfield, you know, David Blaine, etc. Um, but you know, those magicians, there there are exceptions, but a lot of times they have a team of magicians who. Uh, sort of consult and come up with their tricks. And, of course, they're a part of the creative process, but, you know, if you have six magicians working on uh, your next TV special, it's bound to be better than if you're just trying to figure it out by yourself. Um, so a lot of the guys who have consulted for David Blaine, uh, who have been on, you know, television internationally, that sort of a thing, but they are definitely not household um, names for the most part. To kind of circle back to the Penn and Teller conversation, were those guys that you were uh... – that you really enjoyed that the you know the kind of show they had you know their their comedy and their their magic. Yeah, Penn and Teller are a big inspiration. Um, Penn in particular, just because of sort of his uh, skeptical attitude, um, you know, in you know just general life and politics and <laughs> philosophy uh, has had a bit, big big impact on me. So uh, I do enjoy the magic, but just Penn as a person. Uh, you know, one of my heroes. He's definitely somebody who is constantly questioning everything, and that's what I think is so cool about him. Yeah, for sure. And he does it in a respectful way, so if you disagree with him, you know, he, he thinks most people are good people, and I, I tend to agree. Uh, you know, if, if you find my wallet on the, on the street, you know, it doesn't matter color of your skin or ethnicity or, you know, sex or religion, you know, most people are going to give you the wallet back. Uh, and I think... I think that's a good thing. We get caught up in the politics a lot of times, but uh, most people are good people. I think he's he's a you know big proponent of that. Right. Um, what uh, you've talked about books and stuff that you've done. Obviously, you've got a new DVD and and things released. Have you got any others? I mean, um, do you have quite a few of your tricks in different books? Um, I mean, are you working on another book? Um, I guess you kind of just did a video here. I didn't. Where are you at as far as? Um, releasing any of those? Yeah, so it's a constant, you know, since 2009, I've just always had projects in the works. Sometimes they're, I mean, this particular DVD I filmed over a year ago. It was a year in the making, you know, to get it all set up. And then the tricks 
you know, one of the tricks on the demo that you, you know, you'll see is actually a trick I remember showing you <laughs> back in college. So <laughs> literally it's just always trying to move the ideas a little bit forward. So, right. you know, I've got trick, trick decks of cards that are in the works, but I haven't figured out how we'll get them manufactured or who would produce them. Um, I've got, you know, books that are, you know, somewhat written but not fleshed out. So, yeah, I always have projects in the works, and I don't, I don't worry about timetables or anything like that. I don't rely on it for my full-time income. So to me, I just work on things when I'm inspired and then, you know, don't when I'm not. <laughs> well, that's probably the best. I mean, like you said that, because sometimes if you, if you would make it full-time, I know you said you're not full-time with it, that that's when it does. Yeah. I mean, you do have to put a timeline on it because you've got to have, you know, a paycheck or money coming in. And so then it does become a job and, and, you know, that kind of where, right. where's the, you know, the love of, of magic for you, I would think. Hey, yeah, and, for sure. And Caleb, uh, you know, one question I've got for you, and I and I'm, I think I know what you're going to answer, and I'm interested to see. There was a time, probably 10, 15 years ago, maybe, when several guys were kind of uncovering the secrets behind magic, how things happen. Um, and I know that there's a lot of that on YouTube where guys are, you know, exposing the tricks. Does that bother you as a magician, or does that just inspire that drive to be better and you know be more creative yeah so it's a complicated question i think you know the math magician is the one people refer to from i don't know the late 90s or 2000s that was sort of giving away these uh magic secrets and you know i am I, i'm definitely against it just because you know yeah, i guess i guess a complicated answer but when, when people search for magic secrets they're not hard to find, you know? Like I said, I, I wanted to learn magic. I went to the library, I learned magic. You know, one book led to another. There's magic shops, there's, you know, you can learn all of my best tricks. You know, that DVD I just put out cost 40 bucks, uh, you know, for four hours worth of instruction from, you know, the decades I've spent practicing it. So the secrets are, are not hidden behind some magic, you know, I have to figure out how to get there. They're, they're ubiquitous. So with that in mind, I feel like, you know, re revealing secrets to people who aren't really even looking for them, which is what the mass magician was doing, uh, I, it just doesn't sit right with me. Um, but I don't think it, it was ultimately bad for magic. Um, I think probably most magicians would say that the new trend of YouTube magicians exposing tricks is more troublesome. Um, you know, I, I've had, you know, kids, you know, explain how to do my tricks, uh, you know, on their free YouTube channel. Uh, and again, I don't rely on it for my living, but other people do. But they often, you know, not teach the trick completely right. Maybe they can't do one move, so they're teaching some other kid, presumably, how to do my trick, but they're not teaching it correctly. So I'd, I'd rather just give the kid my DVD so yeah. <laughs> he, he can learn it, you know, for free. But what's interesting is they, the kids don't, you know, that, I, that I've encountered at least, they don't come, they don't, they don't feel like they're stealing from you. They don't feel like it's a form of, you know, idea theft or anything. They think, oh, no, I love your magic. That's why I wanted to spread it to as many people as possible because they just, you know, they've grown up with a different paradigm, um, you know, I think, than, than we did and certainly generations before us. So well, that, in, in a lot of ways, I – go ahead. It's, it's all about those views. I mean, that's – and that's the – you know, this generation is how many likes do you get, how many views do you get, how many, you know, retweets do you get. And I think that's where they don't see that is, you know, you've spent, again, like you just said, decades making this – you know, work, and then they buy your DVD, learn your trick, and, hey, I'm going to do this on YouTube because it'll get me more views. 
Yeah, and, but the, I guess the saving grace is, I mean, I feel like it's harder to be a magician now than it used to be. Um, you know, when I was coming up, I would buy one VHS tape and it would cost 30 or $40, and I would learn six tricks, and that was like the highlight of my month or two months, and I would just, I would make sure and I would master those six tricks. Now, you know, with things coming out so freely and it's so inexpensive and so easy to get your hand on secrets, uh, you end up knowing kind of how, you know, 500 tricks work, but you can't actually perform, you know, six tricks in front of an audience. So um, I think the people who learn the secrets and then don't actually, you know, put the practice in, they end up fizzling out anyway, or they right. were never going to be magicians, you know, in the performing sense. So uh, I think the hard thing for a kid who's interested in magic today is to learn how to filter out, you know, because dozens of magic tricks released every week, and it's tough, yeah, you know, to, to figure out which ones you should be spending your time and energy on. Well, yeah, and, and some, I mean, if if you're doing, I mean, you're watching, like like you said, 500 tricks, you're not going to be able to master that many tricks, you know, in, in a short period of time or, you know, I mean, even in a long period of time, I guess. So, I mean, it's it's better to, to right. home, narrow down your numbers, obviously, and, and really get to know some of those, so... Um, well, is yeah, there... and I think the exposure. Okay, sorry. No, no, you're good. Go ahead. I was going to say, I think, I think the, I think, I think the exposure hurts the style of magic I do less than other styles because you know my style is basically coming out and saying, look, I've practiced a lot. You know, I've invented these things. They're puzzles for you to figure out. You know, if an audience member figures out one of my tricks, it doesn't sting to me in any way. I go, oh, wow, they're pretty smart. That's cool. Right. Um, and I, with that, you know, because it's about that. You know, mo many of my tricks I do in my show, uh, you know, are the kind of style that magicians like because even if you know the secret, there are little touches here and there, or little things that, you know, make it interesting to watch, even if you know how it's done. So right. I think, you know, that certainly helps out my style of magic. No, that's cool. Well, I are there any... Um, you know, like any cool stories or I know you've performed obviously quite a bit, um, you know, in different audiences and especially here, um, in the last few years, I think that you've kind of really started doing more, um, you know, performances and things like in larger crowds. Are there any, uh, stories or a funniest memory or a cool, the coolest person or something that you maybe uh, have performed any, any ideas that like pops out of your head um, as far as, you know, any of the magic performances you've done? Um, yeah. One cool thing is uh, I was on, a, I was on the fullest show. And then afterwards, of course you get, it, it, it's sort of surreal to think that a, a card trick I invented has been viewed, you know, literally millions of times <laughs> versus those other tricks that I worked, you know, way harder on uh, that, you know, maybe a dozen people have seen. So it's sort of interesting. Uh, <laughs> But in my Penn & Teller uh, bio video in the beginning before I did the trick, uh, I talked about my love of pro wrestling, which I've loved ever since I was a kid. Um, and after the show aired, I got a message from uh, a very famous pro wrestler named Raven. It was, uh, you know, most popular, I guess, in the 90s, 2000s. Um, but a guy who was on TV, you know, every week on the highest rated television show in the country. And, uh, he, you know, his message uh, on Facebook was, you know, like his name, his username was Raven. And he goes, oh, I'm, my, I'm Raven, and I really liked your trick. I thought, no, this isn't. <laughs> <laughs> the real one. <laughs> this really isn't the actual guy. 
um, but you know, eventually he, he he convinced me. No, no, it's it's really me. Give me a call. You know, you'll hear my voice, and you know, I really want to learn some magic. So uh, I sort of you know called, <laughs> thinking I don't know how this is going to go, but I guess I have nothing to lose. Um, so we've sort of struck up a friendship, and you know, uh, we hang out a couple times a year uh, when he comes into town for a wrestling show or an autograph event, and we talk about magic tricks. So you know, That's he's a really cool. cool guy, and my 14-year-old self would have. You know, had my head explode thinking about. Yeah, because <laughs> hanging out with them is just a regular dude. <laughs> well, yeah, because at once, and I don't know if you still are. You used to be a uh, wrestling referee, is that right? Yeah, I used to do uh, ring announcing and then also refereeing. Yeah. Uh, back in around college. Yeah, I was gonna say. I remember that was like one of your, you know, like whenever you do like the two truths and a lie type thing. I think that was yours. I don't sure. know why I remember that, but yeah. I just remember that is not. That, got them. that was not what I ever would have thought, but I I do remember that. I was gonna say up. that's that's pretty rough. Uh, magician, <laughs> mathematician, <laughs> mathematician. That's right. R- wrestling referee slash ring announcer. That's you know that that's right, right that right there is tough to go off of. <laughs> Yeah, I think so. I think it's pretty, it's a pretty, I'm a child who never grew up, I guess. It's a, <laughs> so that's what, like, story. when you say your 14-year-old self was, like, so pumped or whatever, that, that I'm sure that is 100% true. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so kind of uh, to to wrap up or whatever here, um, what are you kind of hoping, I know you kind of talked a little bit about it, uh, what are you kind of hoping for the future for Magic? Um, I mean, do you hope eventually ever to do this full time or do you think it will always kind of be, um, you know, kind of on the side, you know, performances? What are what are kind of your thoughts uh, future wise performances? Um, kind of what are your goals here for the next, you know, few five or ten years? Yeah, I think from a magic perspective, it's pre- I'm pretty much right where I want to be. I hope I can, can just ten- continue on this track. Uh, I, I don't think I'd ever want to do it full time. You know, I, I have a great job that I enjoy, pays well, has a nice schedule. I work from home, um, so it's uh, very flexible when I need it to be. Um, I enjoy the people I work with, uh, even though it's remotely. So I, I think I'll, I'll stick with that, and then uh, you know, hopefully, I just can contribute to the magic literature. And you know, uh, there's a lot of guys constantly working on trying to improve the art. Hopefully I can be one of the names on that list. And, you know, it, it's cool when I go to a, a magic convention, you know, I, I've never, ever been recognized in the street ever in my life. But at a magic convention, we all sort of know each other. So <laughs> it's cool to all hang out in session <laughs> and uh, learn from each other. So I just hope I can continue to add to that world. Is that, and one of the last questions I'll ask you, Caleb, is I don't want to keep you all night, but is is that what's more important to you is kind of the respect of those other magicians and helping move the craft and being a david blaine or a david copperfield or you know one of those is is that ability to have the respect within the community and what you've brought to the art yeah i mean my two goals i guess is to to earn the respect of the guys who i i respect um so if i read somebody's book i think oh that's amazing uh you know it's cool to reach out to them on facebook and they go oh yeah i got your book too i really like it um, and then I also am always thinking of my, you know, college self of how much I enjoyed magic. And, you know, I'll meet people all the time at shows. There's always like one or two people at the end of the show who, you know, either they have a kid who's really into magic or they are really into magic themselves. Uh, and, you know, it, to them, it's like an amazing thing that, you know, I've been able to do the shows they've just seen. And, you know, they might know two or three tricks and they, they can see that I know a lot more. And, you know, it, it's always fun to strike up a 
strong relationship with them, and I have tons of people who email me every few months, and they're, you know, basically uh, laymen, but they're just learning magic little by little. I think even contributing to that, their success is sort of a, a fun side project. Awesome. Now, um, I guess I should ask, do you have do you have a website or something that you want to, like, if somebody wants to just kind of look it up and, and, I mean, or a YouTube channel, I don't know. Like, where do they where, get your videos? Yeah, Promote where, yourself a little to bit. Where, to where, you know, these people, we've obviously yeah. talked to you and everything, to where they can kind of maybe, you know, look at some of your tricks and just kind of see what we're talking about here. Yeah, so the best thing to do is just to go to my website, which is just my name, uh, so calebwiles.com. Um, I'm very bad at promoting myself, so I'm not <laughs> not great at putting out my social media and things. Uh, welcome to friend me on Facebook, but I, I certainly uh, use that more as sort of a personal thing. And, and again, the pursuit of the ideas is my, my big, like, uh, we'll have a show, and I go, oh, well, I probably should promote this thing <laughs> before it happens. So uh, that's certainly the best place to sort of contact okay very cool well caleb man i i really appreciate you coming on and i'm gonna ask that uh once we stop the recording here you hang on for just a little bit longer because we want to want to ask you a, a couple of questions off the air but uh you know i hope that that sometime we can work it out where maybe you're down around this way and we can get you on because we have done some facebook live stuff uh along with the podcast and i'd love to have you on and and if you've got a couple other magician buddies that would be willing to come on i think it'd be a really cool thing to mix that with our facebook live feed and allow you guys to to do some tricks um you know and and let some people people see that so uh again man i i appreciate it thank you so much i know it's a monday night and uh you you got kids and you got a lot of other stuff but i appreciate you taking a time out for our our podcast yeah thank you caleb yeah anytime had a great time thank you